0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. All right, welcome back to Talking Ball with Pat Leonard. I am the New York Daily News NFL columnist and Giants beat writer. I have a special guest today to talk the NFL draft. I want to first tell you about BetOnline. BetOnline.ag is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's Pro Basketball Playoffs. BetOnline is always your sports information headquarters this season as we have you covered for all your sports wagering needs, basketball, MLB, NHL, hockey, right to UFC, and boxing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code believe that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts and where we start, like I said, special guest, <clears throat> pro football network, NFL draft analyst, Tony Pauline, also one of the original Believe podcasters. Am I right, Tony?
0: I think we were the first. Christian Cipoti and I did a draft show for a couple of years there. Enjoyed it. Braun and Cam and the guys, uh, great people. I, I, hope, I hope Believe is doing well because I know there were a lot of passionate people there who put a lot of time and effort into it
1: doing great. I recall you making some waves uh, in ah, yes. Believe days.
0: That's right. In fact, uh, <laughs> yes, it was the Believe podcast where I broke the story that uh, the night before the 2019 draft that Mike McCagnin was on his way out and there was a big rift in the right. jet front office between McCagnin and uh, Adam Gase. And I took a lot of grief for for a week and a half. A lot of people were laughing at me and all kinds of stuff and then came home one day and my Twitter blew up, and I saw that, in fact, McCagnon had been fired. And, it, you know, funny, uh <laughs> funny end of that story was I was at Shrine Bowl Practices this year, okay. and I was introduced to Mike McCagnan, who was at Shrine Bowl Practice, and we had a wonderful conversation for about 20, 25 minutes. He's a really <laughs> nice guy.
1: <laughs> Fantastic. Well, you always have the goods. That's why we have you on. Some people have information. Some people have sources. Uh, Some people do the work. Some people have opinions. Tony has all of the above, especially when it comes to the NFL draft. So we're thrilled to have you on. Welcome back to Believe,
0: uh, if
1: only for this episode for now. But I wanted to start with something that's actually pretty current and a little bit unexpected. Uh, We'll go around the league, but we'll start in New York. And it's reported by NFL Network that Hendon Hooker, the Tennessee quarterback, is visiting the Giants this week. Just wanted to know, what do you make of that? Do you think he's really a first round pick, even despite the ACL? And, you know, just what do you make of the New York visit?
0: Well, I think the John should just checking the boxes. Obviously, with that uh, contract that they gave Daniel Jones in not in the market for a quarterback, do I think Hendon Hooker is a first round pick? I think he could be a potential late first round pick. I've been consistent. Hendon Hooker is my third rated quarterback mm. after Bryce Young, after CJ Stroud. And I've said all along, I believe Hendon Hooker is in the best position of any quarterback in this draft. Granted, the ACL is going to prevent him from being the top 15, top 12 pick that he likely would have been if he had not gotten hurt. But Hendon Hooker is a quarterback who's been on the rise the past three years. He played better in 2021 than he did in two thousand twenty. He played better in 2022 up until the injury than he did in 2021. So I like to see that progression at the quarterback position. And that's what we saw with Hendon Hooker. I think there's a lot less risk than Anthony Richardson, who maybe has better physical talents than Hendon Hooker, but he doesn't have the body of work. He's not as polished. I think Hendon Hooker is more well-rounded. Than Will Levis, who likes to throw the ball through a brick wall, regardless of the receivers three yards away from him or 30 yards down the field, he definitely <laughs> sees the field better uh, than Will Levis. And I think what could happen is as you get into the 20s of round one, you could see a team, maybe in the Las Vegas Raiders, move back into the top part of the late part of round one to grab Hendon Hooker to basically secure that fifth-year deal. The reason I say Hendon Hooker is in the best uh, situation is he's not going to be looked upon to start in September of 2023. He can't start in 2023. So he's going to have to sit on the sidelines and observe and absorb what's going on. And you know what? That's what Pat Mahomes did. So you get a guy like Hendon Hooker in the right system with the right coach and he sits there in year one, stands on the sideline, holds the clipboard, sees what's going on. You've got something going on. The, the, the knee injury hurts him short term as far as he's not going to be selected as early in the draft as he could have been. But I think two, three, four years down the road, it's going to be a benefit for him.
1: That's fantastic insight. I think you hit the right on the head, too, is that based on the kind of player you're saying he is, even though the he has this injury and he's not going to be starting or playing right away. If a team loves him and if even, if even one team, let alone five or 10 teams, okay. think this highly of him, it's a late first round pick, not an early second because of that fifth year option. You have more control of the player and you get to grow and develop with him in your offense, teach him, get him ready for when he's healthy. So that's great insight. So, okay, staying in New York for a second. We have the Jets picking in the middle of the first. We have the Giants picking in the back third of the first obviously both teams have uh, multiple needs like you said even though hookers coming to the giants the giants aren't in that market they just paid daniel jones so when you look at the two new york teams you look at the jets and you look at the giants later in the first what positions and players do you envision could be on their radar as the pick approaches
0: you know I, i think both teams are in sort of difficult positions in the sense that it may not be best player available at a position of need when they're called to the clock. I mean, the Jets, obviously, if this trade for Aaron Rodgers ever goes down, (laughs) they need three starting offensive linemen, the New York Jets. They're in desperate need of a center. They're in desperate need of a tackle. Mackay Becton, as I've been reporting, all the reports are good on him as far as his physical condition. But let's be honest, the guy hasn't played football in two years, he hasn't played good football in three years. So how much are you going to be relying on him? So, you you know, you need a left tackle. You desperately need a center. Is Paris Johnson of Ohio State there at 13? I don't think so. Is Broderick Jones of Georgia there at 13? I don't think so. So what did the Jets do? I mean, I think they do one of two things. If they're sitting there, maybe they're looking at a Brian Brise of Clemson, the defensive tackle, because they lost a couple of good defensive tackles in free agency and you're going to need somebody to pair next to Quentin Williams on a consistent basis okay. because you know Quentin Williams looks like a star in the making. I think they could potentially, if the opportunity affords itself, maybe trade down, get some extra draft capital, which they can use for Aaron Rodgers or use to replace the draft capital that they're going to trade away for that they have traded away for Aaron Rodgers. I like that. If that uh Trade actually happens before a draft day. And then maybe they look at one of the centers, John Michael Schmitz, Joe Tipperman, because there is a desperate need at the center position. And when you look at the Giants, it's basically the same situation. I mean, I'm sure they would like an outside corner, but I think Christian Gonzalez, Devin Witherspoon, Joey Porter Jr. and Deontay Banks are going to be off the board by the time the Giants are called to the clock. So what do the Giants do? I think, you know, people say Zay Flowers, but I've not heard a lot about the Giants taking Zay Flowers in round one. They have that sort of similar type of player in Wendell Robinson, who they selected last year in the second round, who was playing well before he got hurt. I was told yesterday, Robinson should be ready for training camp. We'll have to see if that happens. I was also told that the New York Giants liked Tyler Scott, of Cincinnati, and he's more of a third-round pick. He's an explosive downfield receiver, great pass-catching hands, also helps as a return specialist. And as someone said to me, listen, if you're going to build up a receiving core of munchkins, you know, don't use early picks. And that's, you know, Zay Flowers is a small guy, great pass catcher, great route runner, knows how to separate, but he's a smaller guy that you can get later on. So what do the Giants do? I mean, short of one of those big outside corners falling to them late in round one, do they take a center like a John Michael Schmitz? Do they trade down? Uh, I I think both New York teams, it's going to be interesting because you can't really peg a player to either of those spots because you don't know who's going to be there.
1: Yeah, no. And I've actually, I've heard the same about Tyler Scott. And I think what you're hitting on too, which is important on the receiver position there is if those top corners are gone, Even if the Giants, and they have been doing a lot of homework on these receivers, like Joe Shane's not going to reach for a guy who's a late second-round grade in the first just because he wants to add one more weapon. They want to add weapons, but they still want to do it smartly. So it could be a receiver at that pick. But I think when you look at their board, it just as easily could be, like you said, a player like John Michael Schmitz as a huge position of need when they know that there's value and a player who fits the mold of what they're looking for later in the draft. Now, staying in the first round, wondering from your vantage point, what team do you think is going to shake up the first round the most uh, come April 27th? Is it going to be – it could be a trade. It could be a pick no one sees coming. Um, You know, What do you think – which team is going to kind of open everybody's eyes and have their jaws on the floor if there is one on draft?
0: Well, I'm going to start by saying you're you're better off tuning in next week because I'm sure I'll have more information this weekend (laughs) as – You know, uh, the draft meetings, the final draft meetings end. I want to say off the bat the Houston Texans. And I want to say the Houston Texans because literally the Monday before the 2022 draft, I was one of the first people who said the Texans were looking at Derek Stingley. I have a feeling, name, you know, everyone is locked in that they're going to take a quarterback. We'll wait and see what happens. I think the Raiders could also surprise if they don't want there's a player who they don't like there. Maybe they trade down. The Pittsburgh Steelers at 17, the Steelers are in a sort of a similar situation to the Jets and the Giants. They need offensive linemen. Most of the top offensive linemen aren't there. You know, they need a cornerback. Do they take an outside cornerback? If you read my mock draft uh, a week ago, I had them taking Deontay Banks of Maryland, who's really moved up draft boards. And I put a little caveat in there. I said that Coach Mike Tomlin has a personal relation, off the field relationship with Deontay Banks for a couple of years now. And that's sort of important. So, mm. I mean, there's always surprises. But I think you've got to look with all the rumors swirling around the Houston Texans. Nick Cesario, is he going to be with the team, you know, uh, mid, midway through uh, the month of May? Are they looking at the quarterback? I think that's – and you look at what they did last year when they took Stingley, which was a big surprise. I think that's the team that can kind of, you know, make their selection and every, or make trade the pick. And everybody is kind of like flabbergasted.
1: Okay, and then moving to players, and this doesn't just go for the first round, but just talking about the entire draft in general, who, in your opinion, from studying all your film and talking to people around the league, who are the most underrated players that say and NFL teams are extremely high on, that the general public and even the, the, the NFL media are not as fully aware or high on, and come draft night, you're going to be able to point to this and say, see, no one else was on this, but inside league circles, this was always going to be a higher pick than people imagine.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you know, dra- the draft is just the beginning. You have to see what happens, you know, obviously two or three years down the, two or three years down the road. I think if you look at the quarterback position, Dorian Thompson Robinson is a guy that's talked a lot about inside league circles, much more so than he is in the media. Dorian Thompson Robinson of UCLA, highly, highly recruited player, really came of age last year. Uh, had a terrific uh, senior season, played well at the Shrine game. I mean, there were times, and I spoke with somebody at the Giants about it, at times at the Combine where he just wowed people. It was like when he's on the money, he's on the money. When he misses, <laughs> forget about it. You know, duck, you head for the hills because you might you <laughs> might get hit in the, in the stands. Um, but they, they see the underlying ability. Somebody said to me at UCLA Pro Day, they believe Dormian Thompson-Robinson is going to be one of the best values at the quarterback position because he's going to go third, fourth round and he's got starting potential and you're going to be able to develop him. So I think Dorian Thompson-Robinson is one of those guys. Cedric Tillman, the receiver at Tennessee. I mean, the guy is big, 6'3 1⁄2", 213 pounds. If you watch him play, he plays the receiver position like a linebacker. I mean, you know, people walk at the route running as they should. They look at the pass catching. If you ever get any Tennessee film... Just watch Cedric Tillman when he's away from the ball, when he's away from the play, when he's not involved in the action. Look at the way he attacks the defensive back that's covering him, even if the play's on the other side of the field. Now, you got to remember, Cedric Tillman entered the season as Tennessee's number one wideout, got injured, and then Jalen Hyatt took over, and the Jalen Hype machine really took off. There are some teams that have told me they like Cedric Tillman. They have Cedric Tillman graded higher than Jalen Hyatt, because wow. even though he's not the deep threat, he's more polished, he's tougher, and, and he really gets it going on, uh, going on between the ears. So those are two guys, if I had to look at a, a, a few other guys, who I think uh, are going to be selected a little bit higher than they're talked about. Here, here's another guy. If you follow me, this is a name that you're familiar with. Adatamina Adabawari out of Northwestern, the defensive right. lineman, officially known as Tommy, six one and a half. 283 pounds, phenomenal uh, athlete. Ran 4:49 at the combine, but more than that, if you were at Senior Bowl practices, which I know you were, he, he was like dominant God. for three days at Senior Bowl practices. He could not be stopped. He could not be blocked yeah. at defensive end, at defensive tackle. He's a guy everybody talks about, Kalajicancy. But when, you know, when you get down to it, Adam bigger. He's more athletic. He's more versatile. You could use him in a variety of positions. And I think that's a guy that's going to get a lot of love, possibly on the first night of the draft, and people could be surprised.
1: You made me think about when you mentioned Tillman at Tennessee and Hyatt, and then we talked about Hooker. It sounds like you're saying, because sometimes in those scenarios, you have one good player who's lifting the others up in an offense, and then the pro scouts go in and they say, "Okay, this guy's the elite one. He's making these guys better. It sounds like you're saying, though, that all three of those prospects are the real deal. Or is maybe Hyatt the guy who uh, is a good player but is less polished and teams are not not high on but just looking at as maybe not the blue chipper that he's portrayed yeah. as publicly? Or It's definitely
0: the latter. I, I mean, yeah. Hyatt, you watch the Saturday film and he's, he's streaking down the field past defenders. I, I mean, he's making big play after big play. He was uncoverable. Mm. He goes to the combine, doesn't run as fast as people think, doesn't interview as well as people had hoped. Doesn't come across all that well in interviews. Then you watch mm-hmm. the game and he's unpolished. He's not a great route runner. He doesn't have an expanded route tree. He's got a lot of upside. But you look at Cedric Tillman, you're going to get earlier returns with Cedric Tillman than you will with Jalen Hyatt. There's less set, There's less downside risk with Cedric Tillman than there is with Jalen Hyatt. But what Jalen Hyatt brings that Cedric Tillman doesn't is the big playability. So you could, you got to decide what you want on your team.
1: Got it. Okay, so moving back up into the top of the first round, I think wanted to ask you about the most controversial prospect, and that is Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle yeah. from Georgia. Wondering, what do you gather from talking to teams? Is his, are his off-field issues still a problem? We also have not just him pleading no contest to the misdemeanor. We also have uh, former GM Rick Spielman saying on the 33rd team that he doesn't think that Carter plays hard every snap. So I'm wondering from your vantage point, Tony, is the off field and any kind of character issues, are they concerns or are people overthinking this? And when we get to draft night, he's going to be a top five, top seven, top 10 pick.
0: I, I think it's somewhere in between. I do think he's going to be a top 10 pick, but I think he's made a lot of unforced errors, a lot of stupid errors. Obviously, with there was a tragedy with the car racing where the two people died, mm-hmm. sad incident, But, you know, and and even though he was indirectly involved with that, it's just gotten worse. I mean, there was the fact that he was constantly or it was reported that he was constantly changing his story to police, which makes, you know, his trustworthiness questionable. Then he goes to Pro Day and he can't even finish Pro Day. I mean, I was talking to people. He was bent over. He was he was huffing and puffing. I talked to the Detroit Lions. it, It was a disaster. And then his agent comes out and his agent says, well, we're not going to visit any teams that are outside the top 10 because Jalen Carter is not going to be there. And that's just plain stupid, because if Jalen Carter starts to fall, there may be some teams outside the top 10, say the New York Jets, the Pittsburgh Steelers who need a defensive tackle, who would be interested in trading up for Jalen Carter. They're not going to trade up if they haven't talked to him. If they haven't been able to sit down with him and really get between his ears, because remember, those official thirty visits, you bring guys in and you do a lot of whiteboard, you do a lot of chalk, you talk uh, chalk work with them. You basically see, you know, you run film work. With them and you run their plays and you find out what they were seeing on the college level. You try and figure out if they're a good fit for your system. You don't do that at the combine. I mean, that doesn't happen at the combine. And sometimes you can do a little bit of that at the senior bowl. But Jalen Carter wasn't at the senior bowl. Little revisionist history, 1989, there was a receiver out of Michigan State by the name of Andre Risen. Uh-huh. Andre Ryzen did sort of the same thing. He says if you're outside the top, there were teams who wanted to work them out that were outside the top eight. He told them flat out, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna work out for you. I'm not gonna be there when you select. Andre Risen went from a potential top ten pick to the 22nd pick of the first round. Jalen Carter's not gonna fall, but he's basically there's just too many unforced errors. And where we thought he could be one of the first three or four players selected in a draft, I don't think that's going to happen. I think what's going to happen is when you get down into the area of Atlanta, it's does the re- does, does the reward of Jalen Carter outweigh the risk? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where he'll go somewhere between seven to ten.
1: Great poll there, Andre Bad Moon Rising. Oh. That is a great reference and in, in, in context for what Jalen Carter. Um, for his situation right now is a great breakdown. Staying on defense, one position that is fascinating me, but I think I need to learn more about, and I think come draft night, a lot of people are going to be talking about is the corner position in this draft. And in your latest mock draft on Pro Football Network, you have four going in the first round, as you mentioned earlier, Oregon's Christian Gonzalez, Illinois' Devin Witherspoon, or Devon Witherspoon, Penn State's Joey Porter Jr., and Maryland's Deontay banks wanted to know, could you give us a a sense quickly on what each player's strengths are and what makes them first rounders? And then some other guys at the corner position that you love in this draft doesn't have to be first rounders because it is a premium position. It's one that the giants are uh, in desperate need of here in New York. And we all obviously saw the impact that sauce Gardner had immediately with the jets last year.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, these guys are the most complete, which is why they're going to be first rounders. You look at Christian Gonzalez, 6'1 one and a half, 197 pounds, runs 4'3'8 at the combine, has a tremendous position, uh, uh, position drills, uh, position work at the combine. You look at his film, I mean, a terrific shutdown man cornerback, uh, a guy who's able to run downfield with opponents, get his head back around track the pass in the air, and make plays with, it, with his back to the ball when he's positioning himself correctly against receivers. That's something that a lot of cornerbacks can't do. They're constantly face-guarding. They don't track the pass in the air. It ends up in completions or pass interference penalties called against them. Gonzalez is the most complete as far as that. He does struggle uh, backed off the line of scrimmage. Sometimes it shows a little hesitation in zone, but if you're looking for a bump and run or man-cover corner, that's his game. Same thing with Devin Witherspoon. He's probably more polished than Christian Gonzalez because he's got a bigger body of work on the college level. Tough, physical guy, excellent instincts. There was some question about his speed. Ran in the mid 4-4s at his own personal pro day about a week and a half ago, which kind of relieves some concerns about that. But again, Gonzalez is a 4-3-8 guy. Witherspoon's a 4-4 in the mid 4-4 guy. Witherspoon doesn't show that great speed on film, so you've got to teach him to play to those four fours. Joey Porter, I mean, Joey Porter was an impact freshman at Penn State. He's got excellent size. He's aggressive. He's a solid athlete. has the uh, has the bloodlines. Obviously, needs to polish his game a little bit, but he, you know, could be a real good player two or three years down the road. I don't think he's as complete as Gonzalez or Witherspoon, which is why he's not going to go as high as them. Deontay mm. Banks is fascinating. I mean, no one was talking about Deontay Banks in August of 2022 except the Maryland coaches, who were telling NFL scouts, "Keep an eye on this guy." Goes to the combine, six foot tall, 100, uh, what is he? Six foot tall, 197 pounds, runs a 4:35, but he's more than just a big athlete on the football field. He's a real good cornerback. So, you know, I said Christian Gonzalez makes plays with his back to the ball. So is Deontay Banks. I mean, his game really took off uh, this year. And with a bigger physical athletic cornerback who shows those ball skills, he's going to go very early. The question is, he's got to prove that 2022 was not the exception to the rule, but, you know, the the shape of things to come in the future for Deontay Banks. It's a deep cornerback class. I've got 15 corners that are going to be off the board, 15 corners with solid first, second, or third round grades. You know, you wow. go down the list. Uh, Cam Smith has been up and down. I like DJ Turner a lot from Michigan. He's more of your slot guy. He's more of your your cornerback that you're going to play over the, over the slot receiver, your, your nickel cornerback a little bit of a smaller bodied guy at 5'11 and a half, 178 pounds, ran four-two-six at the combine, but you watch him for three years, not just last year, three years at Michigan, and he was a shutdown corner. I mean, mm. sometimes it's, it's tough to really get a grip uh, to scout D.J. Hunter because opposing quarterbacks were just not throwing the ball in his direction because he was so good, <laughs> and, and he's not opportunistic. He's a playmaker. You know, uh, Keeley Ringo of Georgia, I know a lot of people like him, and he's got some great highlights, but when you really get into the film, you see a lot of, a lot of issues with his games. I mean, he gives up a lot of uh, receptions. He's slow to react, a lot of underneath uh, catches. So he's going to take some time to uh, develop people like Eli Ricks of Alabama. I do in spurts, but he doesn't have a big body of work. Emmanuel Forbes of Mississippi State, I have him rated much lower than anyone else. Yeah, he's a good player, uh-huh. but he's six a six foot a half inch, 166 pounds. How is he gonna hold up at the next level? I mean, how is he gonna uh, you know uh, defend those contested throws? How is he gonna support the run at barely 170 pounds? You, you still even later on, Clark Phillips of Utah. You want a slot corner? There's Clark Phillips of Utah. Problem is he's five nine. But he's a great cornerback with outstanding ball skills. Uh, Clark Phillips, Julius Brents, Garrett Williams of Syracuse, Tyreek Stevenson, Miami of Florida, and Riley Moss of Iowa, who, in my opinion, is one of the most underrated corners in this class. He's going to be drafted much later than he should, but he's got starting potential at the next level.
1: I've heard his name come up several times as well. Uh, wanted to double back on, well, one guy you didn't mention, but I know you have high on your board and probably thinking of his position vers- versatility is Branch from Alabama. Um, no. where, where does he project in a defense or what do you see him as in the NFL?
0: I am a huge fan of Brian Branch. When I did my first mock draft prior to uh, the Combine, I had him going 13 to the New York Jets who needed free safety. Mm. Then Brian Branch went to the Combine and he ran in the mid four fives. Uh, He practiced much faster during position drills, but you have to wonder, you know, where do you take a defensive back how, how early do you take a defensive back who ran 458 at the con, you know uh, in testing? Yeah. When you watch the film, I like him as a true free safety. I know people say slot corner. I, I mean, 5'11 and a half, 190 pounds. You watch him, he goes sideline to sideline. He's got excellent ball skills. He fires up the field defending the runner, stopping screen passes. I, I mean, he's got a complete game. But he runs four five five, four five eight. So, where do you select them? I, I mean, great question. I don't want to pigeonhole him as a slot corner because I think he can be a free safety. He's one of those guys that play much faster than he times. You know, there's football uh, speed and then there's forty speed. And he's got instincts. I'm, you're saying, yeah, so, yeah. And time and time again, we've seen guys who time four three five in the forty, but they play to a four or five. You know, Ranch is a guy who times four five five, but plays in the four fours. I think that you know he is definitely a late uh, or bottom half of round one guy. I like him as a free safety who you okay. can also play over the slot receiver, and he's not going to be a liability because of those ball skills.
1: All right, yeah, sounds like a sounds like a weapon that uh, of the that Bill Belichick would love, that maybe Wink Martindale in a certain. Yeah. Uh, iteration of the scheme could like in New York, though, obviously, if he's not an outside corner, you're still not solving that major need on the outside. Definitely a player who's piqued my interest, though. You mentioned Julius Brents already. Uh, he's fascinated me just ever since I was at the senior bowl. I see him standing there. I see how he moves. I see how long he is. Profiles as the kind of cor- corner that the Giants love um, and makes me wonder and want to ask you, Strengths and weaknesses of that player and where maybe in this draft do you see him going as far as, uh, you know, middle rounds and uh, and how he can fare at the next level?
0: Well, we'll go. We'll, we'll go with the Where is he going to go? I right now have him as a late second, early third round choice. Part of it is because of his game. Part of it is because of the depth at the cornerback position. I mean, you look the guys I have in front of him. Yeah. Mark Phillips, Emmanuel Forbes, Eli Ricks, Darius Rush, Keeley Ringo, you know, there's just so many cornerbacks. I mean, you know, he looks great on the hoof, as they say. I mean, he is your prototypical big, physical, relatively athletic corner who moves well. The problem is is he's not very polished. He is unlike Christian Gonzalez. He is unlike uh, some of the corners I mentioned earlier where he seems to struggle making plays with his back to the ball. He does a lot of face guarding. You go back to that Big 12 uh, championship game and Quentin Johnston of TCU basically had his way. With, with Julius Brents. Okay. I think with Julius Brents, you're looking at a guy that, you know, you bring him into, if you draft him in the second round, you're probably going to start him in a zone type system and try and develop him to be your every down outside corner. Though I believe there's going to be bumps in the road.
1: Interesting. just so you know, you know, we don't always have breaking news during the podcast and this is not draft related. At least we'll see what the return is, but Reportedly, according to the National Insiders, the Steelers are bringing Rams wide receiver Allen Robinson in for a physical. And if he passes, a trade to Pittsburgh is expected to happen. So it looks like the Rams are going to offload Allen Robinson onto the Steelers. What do you think of that?
0: I I think what happens is when you do what the Rams did for so many years, where you're giving away so much draft capital uh, for players, to bring in a championship team, when it falls, when it ends, it kind of falls off a cliff because you, you know, you've got aging players who are at the end of their careers and you gave away those draft picks, which you would have used to replace those players. Now it worked for the Rams. They won a championship. So it's all good for the Rams, but now they find themselves where you've got a bunch of aging players you're basically starting from scratch and you don't have a lot of draft picks because you trade them away from the Matthew Staffords and the Jalen Samuels and everybody else's of the world. So now, and, and you know, we know about, you know, the Rams who never showed up at the senior ball, and, you know, the, their draft day, they were lounging by the
1: pool. If you remember. Yeah. The, the Rams
0: house. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So now it's a situation where they got to start to trade, you know, they're going to have to start to rebuild. They got to trade away these guys, get back some of that draft capital, some of those draft picks that they've traded away to help them build a a Super Bowl-winning team. (laughs) Because if you don't do it, it, it's going to be worse situation two or three years down the road.
1: Yeah, no, good point. Maybe this gives Les need something to do on draft weekend. Um, All right, so back to the draft and your mock draft, your latest mock draft. You had seven edge rushers or edges projected to go in the first round, and that's not including – other defensive linemen, guys who can pressure the quarterback who you also had projected in your first round. I'm wondering, is this a case of these are the best players on the board and the edge class is strong in your opinion? Or is this more like you feel like a lot of other positions are not as strong and so that's a position where teams are going to take, um, you know, throw more darts because of the upside of trying to get somebody who gets to the quarterback?
0: Well, I I think it's a situation where, I don't like pigeoning players as just edge rushers, okay? Nolan Smith, for example, of Georgia. People want to talk about Nolan Smith as an edge rusher. But if you watch Nolan Smith, especially in 2021, he was not just an edge rusher for Georgia. He was a complete linebacker. He was a guy who could drop off the line 20 yards downfield and play in coverage. He was a guy who was tremendous in pursuit going sideline to sideline, showing great speed against the run. He was a guy that stuck in the middle and really stayed with responsibilities. You look at Keon White, called an edge rusher. Keon White is 6'3 285 pounds and plays the run very well. So I I think, as far as I'm concerned, it's a situation where you have a lot of players who are good pass rushers, but also are effective in other areas of the fence that I think people incorrectly just pigeonhole as an edge rusher.
1: Hmm. Fascinating. Who is, who are your uh, favorites or maybe sleepers outside of the, uh, the top guys who are getting all the attention right now? As far as edge rushers are concerned. Yeah.
0: I, I mean, if you're looking at day three guys, I think Jose Ramirez, you know, late round guys, Jose Ramirez, of Eastern Michigan, who's probably going to be like a fifth, sixth round choice. He's been a terrific player at Eastern Michigan, gets a lot of uh, pressure up the field. Andre Jones of Louisiana, you know, smaller school guys, hmm. uh, very forceful up the field. Isaiah Land the Florida a and I mean, these are guys who can come out of a three-point stance or stand over tackle. I mean, if you're looking for your pure edge rushers and not really three-down players, K.J. Henry, of Clemson, the day three choice as well, mm. can stand over tackle, can come out of a three-point stance. I think if, if the New York Giants are looking to add an edge rusher late in the draft, day three, I think K.J. Henry's a guy to uh, to look at as well. So, uh, I, I mean, a lot of Ocon, Ocon Mathis of uh, Nebraska by way of TCU showed a lot of ability earlier in his career Transferred to Nebraska, which is like occupational suicide these days. Uh, when Scott <laughs> Ross was there, you know, his uh, his career kind of leveled <laughs> off. But, you know, you go back to the CCU film and he showed a lot of ability early on.
1: Okay, love it. Um, okay, random position question, but something that's popped onto my radar and that I'm spending a little bit of time on now because the Giants don't look like they need a running back when they have – Mm-hmm. Saquon Barkley, then you have Matt Brady is back. Gary Brightwell, who they liked, gave them some good minutes last year when uh, when Barkley even went down in the Green Bay game. And they even have a young guy in Jay Sean Corbin, um, who's still developing, had a great preseason last year. Frankly, I was surprised he didn't get on the field much during the regular season. But we have Saquon Barkley, hasn't signed his franchise tag yet, is disgruntled. And frankly, Tony, no obvious resolution to that situation in sight We expect, think, hope out here in New York that Barkley's going to be the Giants running back this fall, but that's not where it stands right now. So let's just play the hypothetical game. If the Giants are going into this draft trying to make sure that they are covered at the running back position, if something goes awry with Barkley, if he ends up demanding a trade, whatever the case may be, what running backs do you like as fits? in Brian Dable and Mike Kafka's af- offense with the Giants in this draft.
0: Yeah. If they're going to say, take a running back in day two, I like Kendra Miller of uh, TCU, 215 pounds, tough inside runner who also has the agility to turn the corner, good pass catcher out of the backfield. If you're looking day three, maybe Evan Hull of Northwestern, not as good as an outside runner, but very tough on the inside, exceptional pass catcher of the backfield, runs hard, it, underrated athlete uh, I mean someone who play uh, plays faster and ran faster than people thought so I think that's the guy you got to look at uh, maybe she, Kenny McIntosh of uh, Georgia on day three is an mm-hmm. interesting guy someone who you know has had a lot of hype around them has delivered on occasion very inconsistent but's got a great amount of upside uh, you know it depends on where they want to go I think Miller on, and the third round would actually be a good fit if they want to expend the draft pick at that position uh, on the second day of the draft.
1: Now, that'll be fascinating. But Yeah. Interesting. As we get closer to the draft, I mean, usually the way it shapes up when the season ends and all the first um, informa- pieces of information and obvious positional needs, and then free agency happens. Usually it settles back into the needs are what we thought they were, but the Giants running back situation is kind of an interesting asterisk. So thanks for throwing us some of those names. And now I want to wrap up with the top of the draft. I noticed, and I know this was a few days prior to uh, you and I talking now, or about a week, I guess. But in your last mock draft, you had C.J. Stroud going number one and not Bryce Young. Has that opinion, that information changed on your end? Do Do you still think it could be Stroud? To the Panthers at one. What is the latest on the top of the NFL draft? From uh, where
0: I'll probably find out next week. But you know, I mean, I was told early on Stroud with uh, Frank Reich liking Anthony Richardson. Uh, I don't, you know, I was also told that the front office. I, I mean, I was I was told the front office likes uh, CJ Stroud through the interview process. I was also told that you know Bryce Young came away as a genius uh i'll probably have more information maybe it's just stupidity on my part i don't know uh but you know listen both guys are good quarterbacks both guys have nfl futures but both guys have issues in their games i mean uh, with bryce young it's obviously the size and you can't get away from that he's five ten. you know measured a weight in the combine at 204 pounds he's not 204 pounds doesn't have a huge downfield arm but he's brilliant he's absolutely brilliant. He's a joy to watch on, on film because he knows what's going to happen before it happens. He's almost clairvoyant. With C.J. Stroud, he's got those physical skills. People thought, claimed he was an immobile pocket passer. That's a bunch of bunk. It's just that I believe Ohio State misused him. And you, know, you saw in the semifinal game against Georgia what he's capable of. You saw last year or a year ago in the Rose Bowl against Utah what he's capable of there's been some inconsistency in his game. I don't know whether it's C.J. Stroud's issue or whether it's the fact that Ohio State coaches just kept the handcuffs on him too much and didn't let C.J. Stroud be C.J. Stroud. We'll have to see. I'm sure it'll be a clearer picture for me uh, the beginning of next week. I'm either going to look really right or I'm going to look like a big fool, but we'll see what happens.
1: (laughs) No, Tony, like I said at the start, one of the things I love about your work and content is... You go and get the information and you form your own opinions based on your solid information. I personally think in our space, too many people are afraid to, I would say, stick their neck out, but it's not even stick your neck out. It's just to have your own opinion, even if it at times does not agree with the person next to you or the mock draft next to you. So This is what makes this time of year great, in my opinion. We are recording this a little bit uh, over one week out from the draft, but um, let me and our listeners know like what's coming from you as we get closer to the draft or even in draft coverage. What, what are you working on right now?
0: Well, I mean, a pro football network, you go there, there's going to be more than 800 scouting reports on individual players, which, uh, which have been posted. So it's not just what happens on, uh, you know, the three days of the draft. Remember, you're going to have twice as many guys signed after the draft Then you've got guys that are selected during the draft. So you're going to be able to find information on the players that your favorite team, whether it be the Jets, the Giants, whoever else, sign as the uh, priority free agents. And a lot of times those guys surprise, and you'll be able to find information on them. I'm sure I'll have some breaking news. I'm sure I'll have an update as to uh, who will probably be the first pick of the draft and what the Houston Texans will do with the second pick of the draft uh, Soon, I know, got something coming up on uh, Hendon Hooker, who we spoke about. It may be oh. up by the time that this Believe podcast is uh, posted. <laughs> uh, it may not be, but I'm, I'm sure it'll be interesting. And if you're a Las Vegas Raiders fan, you may want to tune into that.
1: Interesting. So you can follow him. I'm sure you do already, but you can follow Tony. It's at Tony Pauline on Twitter, obviously, the Pro Football Network, NFL Draft Analyst. As we said, you can find all of those scouting reports mock drafts and his content on Pro Football Network. And Tony, we are extremely grateful during your busiest time of year, if there is such a thing, because you're busy year round. But during this busy time of year that you spent some time with us here at Believe, back at Believe, the, reu- the, the quick Tony Pauline hey. reunion. So uh, thank you so much for joining me. I really do appreciate it.